Peace, everybody. This is uh, the Brooklyn Combine, and this week's episode is our last episode in our East African series. Um, and we conclude that with our interview of Mr. Lee, beautiful gentleman, expat from New York, who has been in Africa for some time. And we hope you enjoy it. Salute and respect. Peace. Yo, Chuck, run a power move on him. May I say something to you to give you a true knowledge of yourself and life so that the same glory and success attained by other men who understand themselves may be yours? Man in the full knowledge of himself is a superb and supreme creature of creation. When man becomes possessor of the knowledge of himself, he becomes master of his environment, the captain of his own ship, the director of his own destiny, the accomplisher of his own ends. We're going to start, Mr. Lee. So you know that they say money corrupts. Um, up until now, four years ago, I was getting a small pension from this from the government. You know, having spent twenty years. No, not I don't get nothing. I'm getting in America. You know, when I came out of prison, I had didn't have enough points to to get. A yo, normal yo, retirement. I was like, mm-hmm. you know, they said, oh, you've been in prison, you have to catch up on. So when I was 65, I was digging ditches with kids in, in, in town, half of my age, so that I could supplement the money that they gave me. They gave me $700 a month in Florida to live on, right? And 150 of it was in food stamps. So I had to pay my rent. Never mind buy my clothes, feed myself, you know, transportation. If you've been in Florida, you know there's no public, real public transportation. You ain't got no car, you're in deep doo-doo. You know, so I had to to go through that. So like four years ago, uh, they found that I was living in Africa. What happened is my my Kenyan wife, Kikuyu, used to get the, the money. Yeah. Uh, from the, the, the you know my retirement six hundred dollars a month. She used to send me six hundred dollars, give my son uh, that hundred and fifty food stamp, you know. Yeah. But she was like on time. I mean, I mean they, they talk about the curious being about money. This woman had my back. When I had to call, she'd do a three three way call so they think I was in America. So anyway, I went back, they found out I was out because they started questioning them. So why are you sending money every month? You're sending $600 to this man in Africa. Who is he and why? They're like that. Right, right, yeah, this right. is Western Union question. They sent some money to the house and asked who was I and why she was sending money to Africa. But this is what matter? this country is like. Why does it matter? Please, please. No, well... And when I was in prison, I was very vocal. Uh, if you go to Congress, you find my name on some kind of petition. Yeah. I fought them all the fucking, all the excuse me, all the time. Because they treated us like shit. I told you, the prison was segregated when I went in there. White boys on one side, blacks yeah. on the other. When they yeah. integrated, they put one brother in the cell with a white boy. They wind up throwing them out like, like a rag. 
but they beat the hell out of them. This is what they did in a federal system, you know? So I don't have no love for these people and the way they treat people. I ain't got none. I told you, they experimented on us. They gave us all kinds of shit, uh, poison, and $25 mm -hmm. and 10 days off your fucking sentence, you know? Yeah, anyway, nothing like that. Back to my Italian wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. When the government cut me off, she just, she flipped. All of a sudden, it was this woman got more money than God. All of a sudden, it was about the money. So, you know, I'm a brother, you know, I'm going to try and make up. I can't work there. But why did they cut you off because you're living here? What is it because I, you can't live out of the country and, and, and get a, and, and, and get... $600 a month. You can't live someplace else. Where the $600 would help you out? I actually, I told them, I said, man, you know, I, if you want me to write in or something, if I got to pay taxes, I'm cool with that. But I can't live on what you give me in America. You know, this is ridiculous, man. You, I stay here. I'm going to pick up my pistol and go stick your ass up like I used to do. You know, get real about it. It's the only time I ever took anything from somebody because I didn't have it myself. You know, I wasn't, I didn't want to be no thug. I grew up in a neighborhood where either you was a punk or you went to school or you was down with a gang. Yeah, man, 5th Avenue, 112th Street, 113th Street, 17th Street. All the gangsters came out of there. What was that gonna be? You know, I used to run with Pee Wee Cup. Yeah. Let me ask you, like, so 82 is when you get to, to the continent. Huh? You get to that continent in 82. I came in 82, and, yeah. And then you got down to Kenya near the end of that year. Or I was still on parole. Oh, you okay? Yeah, and um, what had happened is I had two parole officers. I had two bodies, man. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. stickers, right? So my, my, I had one parole officer who was a fed. Mm -hmm. And by this time I worked for the New York Public Library, I worked for the, the Division for You. I had gone to schools all over New York City, lecturing children, trying to, you know, kicking, you know, this is what you, you got a choice, man, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, I mean, I did it to the point where I had mamas write me letters and call me and tell me, I don't know what you said, thank you. You know, so, you know, I'm thinking God has blessed me, man. I'm able to, to, to change, the, you know, the thinking of some of these young brothers and sisters. You know, I, I, somewhere along the line, I got the idea like it's supposed to be in, this, in, in Africa. We're responsible for all the children in our village. And I feel responsible for every child of color in this world. White boys also. You know, I ain't really mad at them because I know they don't know no better. They've been drummed in to hate you from Jump Street. Their parents have picked it up and they pass it on. I understand that. You know, I, I get mad at you when you get old enough to know better and you still treat me like that. Then it's on. You know, it's on. You know? So, I, it, it's, it's been like that. Anyway, this woman went ape shit on me when they cut the money off. And, you know, it was like, I thought, you know, I said, you know, I can do better in Africa than I'm doing. I can't work here in Milan. They won't give me a job. If I take my turban off and walk down the street with a baseball cap on, they look at me like I stole something. <laughs> I'm telling you. The only black men I seen working in Milan were security guards. They were as tall as you are, black as ink, 
you know, came from the Sudan someplace. Mm -hmm. But I'd never seen a brother doing manual, a regular job, you know, in Milan. Never saw it, you know. And every time I took my turban off, I had a problem. Somebody looking at me. I walk in the shop. I number of times I turn. I said, "Why are you following me? What's up with that? You know, all these people in here. You gonna follow me around? You got to be out of your fucking mind. Really get irate. I don't care. I get really angry when my people treat me like, like my oppressors. My oppressors treat me. Anyway, it got to a point where I said, man, I, you know, I, I'm not living like this, you know, uh, it just ain't happening, I'm going back. Oh, but if you go back there, then we just not, it's not going, we got married in the Maasai Mara, Maasai ceremony, you'll see that in my thing also, big. Yeah, all my friends from here got on trucks and planes and shit and came, you know? <laughs> yeah, they did, they literally. Anyway, uh, I decided, said I'm going back, you know, I came back here and, you know, no money, uh, um, except for I had, I don't know, maybe two cents saved up, and, uh, you know, I don't have a hustle, I'm an ordained minister. Really? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, when did you? No, non-denominational. What I did is I hooked up with a church in the States, right, that gave me a license, you know. I, when I worked for United Church of Christ, they sent me to a seminary Six-month crash course, seminary course, you know, just to keep me... You say, you know the United Church of Christ, you know these guys, you work with them. Well, uh, they hooked me up, they sent me there because I was, I was after I got out of prison, I, I went to work at a conference and retreat center in Wappinger Falls. I know you might have heard of that. Brawley? Okay, all right. I, that's where I went when I got out. There's, they had like 40 acres of land, swimming pool, basketball court, and, uh, old antebellum house, log cabin. So schools, groups used to come there, you know, and I went in, I was cutting grass and cleaning toilets and making beds, and I went to the director and told her, listen, I, I have some ideas I'd like to do working in the prison system. And so they said, okay, we're interested. So what I suggested that their families coming from, from the city, having to go all the way up to Albany or Boston someplace in order to visit their loved ones, and they're taking their kids with them. This, this thing is destroying families, you know. A sister with three or four kids to go to see her husband maybe once every six months if she can get the money together. Staying in a town where the prison is run by white folks, the prices were tripled for them and they got to spend one hour visiting their loved one with two or three kids. I said, let me keep the kids here I'll drive them there myself so they don't have to take the bus. The sister can sit down with her husband. This had not been done before. This had not been done before. And uh, so I got this thing off the ground and I went to the United Church of Christ. I, I, I gave my lecture. I asked them to send me the children that were not going to school. And they were hard headed you couldn't handle I said, give them to me, you know. And sitting in the audience, you know Billy Holiday. 
Billy You know Billy Holiday. Yeah. I'm not talking about the singer. Who? This woman was on the parole board in New York City. No. She was a sister on the parole board. Well, I had gone to parole board a lot of times and they always kicked me out. They, they threw me back because I was vocal. Mm -hmm. I was on the prison liaison. I, when the prisoner got into something, I went and spoke for him. You know, so the administration didn't like me. Jump Street. Mm -hmm. Anyway, when I went to the parole board, there's this sister we call Billie Holiday. She used to wear a flower on her head. She said, I'm going to give you a chance. And she did. She let me out. I had two parole officers, a fed parole officer in the state. The state was a redneck. He couldn't stand me. I made more money than he did. My woman was better looking than his. You know, he didn't like me. I drove a nice car. He didn't like that either. I wasn't selling drugs or sticking up or doing anything other than trying to help my people get their shit together. He didn't like it. The federal guy, I tell you, I, I worked for the public library. I went to a different view, was following me. He went to the parole board. He said, this man is doing my job. This is what this white boy, he said, I was doing his job. He said, he's doing my job. So he recommended, I owed them, they sent me 10 to 30 years, the feds. I had 10 to 30 years. So automatically, first five years, nothing. 10 years, come back and see us later. You know, next thing I know, I had 15 years in there. And when I made parole, they were standing outside the door. My feet didn't hit the ground. I went right back into the state system of the federal system. Mm -hmm. You know? Anyway, yeah, man, oh, man, listen. These people, I'm telling you. Anyway, I started this program, and then I met a minister who was connected to the United Church of Christ, who used to be a warden. I sat down with him and developed a program that allowed me to go into a different prison every day and do a workshop with 15 brothers and one officer about who you are, who you want to be, you know, that whole bit. Trust exercise, I did it all. Every day I went to a different prison, except for a couple of them I had been in, they wouldn't let me in, all right? So the rules that I did went in, I went, I did the workshops. At the end of 10 weeks, I took their families inside. I did another workshop with them. And the hope was when they came out, they would continue coming to the community center on 25th Street, mm -hmm. you know, and, and participate. Well, when the guy resigned, he wanted me to be the, the director there. I told you, I think, already. They told me it ain't happening. He's an ex-con. He said, he's done the program. They didn't do it. I did it. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't give a shit. So I wound up quitting because they put in charge a Ku Klux Klan known he didn't hide it. He didn't hide it. He used to want to search people's wives. He was such a pig. He was so disgusting that this is who they put in charge. Huh? This is who they put in charge. Come back here uh, after I broke up with my woman. Uh, my blessing was I met Mikiko again, second time. And we kind of hooked up. And yeah, I had my apartment. She had hers. And she said, I was spending money on two rents, you know. Um, ah, fuck it, come on, excuse me. Come on, let's do this thing together. And it, it's worked out incredibly for me because uh, I wake up in the morning, every morning that I've been with this woman, playing. Tick, playing, tickling, kissing each other in the air, feeling each other booty in the bed. Every morning, she wakes up like 
Sometimes he's laying on the back, throwing legs up in the air, jumping the bed, go, Come on, I'm in the lead. Oh, I'm sorry, did I wake you up? You know, shit like that. I can't get mad. I cannot get mad. <coughs> I'm going to work now. I don't want to wake you up. <laughs> Every morning, I swear to you. So this child has brought so much comfortable happiness in my life. I don't know what to tell you. Oh, my ministry came about two brothers out of Boston. They came here. They look like hell's angels. I mean, both oh, of them. Oh, they're like, they like, no, they're like this. They come every year. Olsen, I mean, big. Olson and Jim. A white boy and, 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 a, and a brother. They show up as nails. The brother gives away, this brother gives money to organizations all over the world. The white boy uh, is stained glass genius. All right, so they get. I saw them coming down, I thought, damn, hell's angels coming down. I mean, they had to cut off shirts and shit. They are so sweet. These angels, man, you got to love them. The people here love them. They come every year, every year. They throw a party, we party like hell, you know? Anyway, they went back to them and said, nigga, you should be a preacher, you know? So they went back, got in touch with this church, hooked me up. And they sent me the next thing I know, I have license coming in the, in the mail. That's how I get to be. So I have performed three weddings here so far. I had a couple of more, but they blew away because of Corona. I did one in the fort. You seen this fort down there? Yeah. There was 200 people in there. I, I did one in the mangroves, inside, on the dial. I did the other one at Marjolies on the front of the beach. You know, and... So far, everybody I've hooked up is together, you know, so man, I've been on my ass so many times I can't tell you how many times I've had to stop my life. I have never gone to my family and hit on them for nothing. I don't ask nobody for nothing. I'm a grown man just like you, you know. If God make fit that I, my hustle going to pay me, I accept. But I don't ask nobody for nothing. I can't do it. I don't do it. I don't do it. She tell you. I don't do it. I don't do it. I can't do it. I don't. Yeah, I ain't built like that. My my father told me never would some man, uh, government, send food to my house and feed my children. Yeah. You made us look fly, fed us. What? That's unimaginable. I didn't grow up like that. My mother would not let you come in the house and not go and go out hungry. My mom wouldn't, no, no, you, you come to my house, I have to feed you what I got. No, man, listen, I'd be honored to, you guys, what you guys doing, I love it so much. I don't care nothing about getting paid. It needs to be said, it needs to be done. I'm more than happy to do it. I, I really, that's one of the reasons I've stopped so many times. I want them to know, I want them to know. On many levels, you're showing us that you can live. Can be free. No, man, no, you change your mind, man. You can do yeah. it wherever yeah. and on your own terms and you build community. And like, this is very inspiring and special. Oh, thank you. I just didn't listen. Thank you. Wait, hold on. Before we continue, Mr. Lee is a, is a music dude. I know you're a jazz guy, so you gotta, gotta be something. Give, give us, give us, give us a song. Yeah, uh, give us a song to go to take a break. Which song do you want? What? 
I, I don't remember all the words because I have short-term oh, memory left. You can just tell them. Oh, yeah, we're gonna, no, we're gonna play. It. If you want, it's gonna, it, gonna be a break. I, I apologize. That's <laughs> no, that's the name of the song. Oh, <laughs> I apologize by <laughs> Billy Exton. Okay. Yeah, I get this line. I get this line. If I made you cry when I said goodbye. I apologize for from the bottom of my heart. I apologize. I like that song so much, you know, but I keep forgetting the words. But I love to sing. I tell you, I do it in the bathroom. <laughs> if I made you cry. When I said goodbye, I'm sorry from the bottom of my heart, dear. I apologize if I've caused you. I know I'm to blame Must have been insane Believe me From the bottom of my heart Dear I apologize I realize I've been unfair to you Please let me make amends Don't say that you forgot the love we knew After all, we were more than friends Give me back your glance Give me back romance Give me one more chance Forgive me From the bottom of my heart Dear I apologize If I made you blue I've had heartaches too Now I beg of you Forgive me From the bottom of my heart I apologize. Sorry, 
intriguing. This is Neil. This is the brother that has owned and he owns this place also. Yeah, he's also the owner. Thank you. The food is incredible. But I saw this man here, so I had to go say hello. We get it. You didn't see you have your milkshake here. No, I'm trying to chill, man. You know that. Enjoy. Love you, man. Good dude. He speaks better Swahili than the Swahili. He's grown up with him. He talks shit, man. He can hang. He's born like a local boy. He so just, he grew up here, yeah, he, he, he just happened to be white. He black as he can be because he'd be talking <laughs> shit, you know, with them, laughing and joking. He grew up with these guys, mm-hmm. you know, so, so he's pretty laid back, too. Him and his brother. His brother. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he grew up with these guys. Okay. Him and his brother, her father. Yeah. So no, that's, they're pretty so she, That's her uncle. That's yeah. her uncle, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so their family, their, their grandmother and them started this. It was a little teeny place. It was, matter of fact, I think just that ball. You remember? You know? and they, no, they, they, they just did their 50th anniversary. So I've been, I came here like 40 years ago. And they was already hooked up, you know. And like I said, nobody lived over there. Island was empty, a couple of motorboats, you know. In 1983, wow. yeah, Carol, no, who became my girlfriend, brought me here after the desert. I, I tell you that. Mm-hmm. I tell you that story. Yeah. yeah. No, you didn't. I, I can't. I was I was in the, with the nomads, adopted, threw away my baseball cap, threw away my jeans, put on my derby clothes, which is a very thin thing like this, black. This is what they wear until they have ceremonies of what Dabi Have you seen them in nationals? The guys with all the paint on the face. Okay, these guys are like amazing. Living with them is like living with people from Mars. Anyway, I came back here and uh, I don't know, I, I've met uh, a lot of people who would be considered famous people for people who live in Africa. I met them all. Uh, um, uh, What's his name with the alligator in the mouth? No, 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 no. No, we had our own guy, this guy. He just died in the States. Anyway, I, I met I met Desmond Tutu at the airport. Oh, wow. He rolled he rolled up on me. Yeah, he rolled up on me with his entourage. He's looking me up and down and he's going like, Who are you and where are you from? I thought I hung to a lot. Desmond Tutu, you're talking to me, I couldn't believe it. Nobody shook him. I met the president on the airplane. When I got kicked out, I told you I got kicked out of Ethiopia as a spy. They thought you was a spy? They thought I was a spy. Yeah. They're in here? No. In Ethiopia, when Mangisto was there. Oh. I was there. I was filming in a place I wasn't supposed to film. So they rolled up on me, the army, and put me in the basement. I thought, right out the movies, baby, you know? Their phone, their CIA. I was making a video. They had the cameras with this big then, right? And so I was making this video, and Mang- Mangisa was there, so you weren't allowed to have groups. Three people at the most. I'm telling you, it was horrible living in that country at that time. How long you did you live there? I, didn't, I, I went there for months at a time. I was with my old lady, and they had been commissioned 
to come there and do a thing. So we traveled. I went from from Ethiopia to, to the borders of Kenya and the borders of Sudan. You know, I've really seen the interior, but crashed in time. I mean, I rode donkeys in the mountains, all kinds of crazy shit. Anyway, I, I they were going to to Lalibela, and I, the guy didn't want me to go. Yeah, the guy wouldn't, the, the chair of the tourist commission didn't want me to go. He thought I was too controversial, he thought I was a troublemaker. You know, I walked around in this black gear, my head turned up, this thing on like this. You know, and he was like, no, 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 you're causing trouble. So they didn't let me go. So there was an American girl there who was a friend of Carol and Angela who was in charge of residence for visiting uh, diplomats or, you know, anybody from the state. Not for me. But when they said I couldn't go, the thing was, okay, well, what are we going to do with Lee? So hotels were out of the pocket because they were, the security was seriously heavy. You couldn't go to the movie or the post office without being searched. You know, uh, they, they had been cut off from the rest of the world because of this communist thing. And so you get in a taxi cab, the guy would ask you not to slam the door. Everything was falling apart. There were shops were closed, people, uh, uh, um, people didn't trust their neighbors anymore. It was a very serious thing. So I, I ended up hanging out with a group of artists, uh, intellectuals, who met at a coffee house and, you know, had clandestine meetings about how the hell they're going to get rid of Mangisto. Very serious, these guys. A lot of, a lot of, I met a lot of Ethiopians during that time. Anyway, I get arrested. <laughs> yeah, the, what a transition. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyway, I'm trying to go back to the story where I got that. Yeah, after questioning me all night, they didn't beat me, thank God. They just kept asking me. They couldn't believe. My, my, you know they used to put extra pages in your, in your passport? Mine was like an accordion. When you open it, it went... So they said they couldn't believe. And when I laid my story out, listen, man, I come out of Harlem. You know, I'm even in, I, you know you can look. I'm an ex-con. You know, I'm here with my woman. No, no, no. They looked and they said, no, you have to have money. How did you go to all these different... I'm hitchhiked across Africa. How did you go to all these countries? You don't have money. You must work for the government. What are you doing Spot. in this government house? You know, I mean, they was on it. So that poster you see in my house of that Ethiopian, that's the man who took that name, Hapti Selassie. He was the ambassador to the United States. And when Mangisto took with you, know, these guys lost their jobs. He used to be, you know, close to Selassie, as this other guy, a friend of mine, is coming. And so he wrote the phrase, 13 months of, of summer. And he was also a photographer. Anyway, they got in touch with him. He explained who I was. They put me on the plane the next morning with Moy, the president of his company. You know, you have to go out, so you go out with I met Maury, you know. It's just I had enough power behind me to get me the hell up out of there. He substantiated my story. I was there, you know. Yeah, yeah so I got out. I went back a year later. Mangisa was still there. I got from the airport to the taxi stand. They arrested me again. This time they put me right on the plane. You know, no, you wait here. When the next flight out, your ass is on it. So I had been blacklisted which my Ethiopian friends wept, yes! You know, they were very proud of me. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's my Ethiopian so you have stuff. No, I go back all the time. Oh, now you go back? No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, after, after that pass, uh, when Mangisto left, I used, I didn't, I was married, I got married in 1990, and my son was born, and my wife is the Kikuyu, she's from here, so, and she had pull also, because when, uh, when she was here in that time, the Kikuyus was running shit, so she'd send my passport to give it to somebody in the morning, 12 o'clock, it'd be on my plate, you know, I didn't have to worry about nothing, she knew everybody there was to know. Just like when she hit Florida, the next thing I knew, she knew the chief of police. She knew this one. I'm going like, when I went there and I beat up a boyfriend, <laughs> I didn't have a choice. He, he challenged me in front of my son. You know, I had, you know, they had an apartment. The apartment's in my name. They got a condo. My name is on it. My son is there. So my, 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 still my wife has got herself a boyfriend. When she had to get permission, she said, you can't bring this man into this house unless you ask my father. It's as simple as that. And I was not living there. But, yeah, she, this was the first time she brought somebody in the house to live with him. My son was really upset. He didn't like it. Yeah. He didn't like it at all. He didn't like it at all. But I had a key. So, I go, you know, nighttime, me and my son go in his room. You know, playing games, smoking a joint together. My son was grown up now, you know. And he kept telling me, he said, man, I don't like this guy. There's something strange going on. And I'm going, I can't do nothing, man. You know, it's your mama's choice, you know. You know, I got another wife also. So I can't tell her what to do. We, we tight, you know. And I got her back. I did talk to him one day. I said, listen, man, you know, I, uh, uh, I'm grown up and my woman is grown up. If she chooses to be with you, that's her help. I said, but please don't hurt my son and don't put your hand on my wife because she's still married to me. So until she, you know, decides she don't want to be married to you, don't touch her. You know what I mean? He's big, big white boy too, motorcycle. I couldn't believe this woman. Kenyan woman almost in here with this white boy. It flipped me out. Anyway, I didn't, I didn't show up, you know. I went in one morning, I spent the night with my son in his room. I came out, he came out and said, I'm tired of you coming in here every time you want. I'm like, what? You think I got a key? Who do you think you are? No, I don't like it. He says, I'll, I'll take you, I'll take you, and, and I'll take your son and whip your ass with him. I went like, oh, really? And he went like, and he did, he did this to me. You know, when he put his hand up like that, I hit him in his throat, I threw my leg behind him and slammed his big ass down into the coffee table. He couldn't believe little skinny yes, nigga like me. Wait, this is knocked him record. down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my son went, I knocked him down. He fell in the coffee table, smashed it. Noise was like everywhere, you know? He fell down, I caught him between the TV and the camera, and I put my elbow in his throat. And I just kept pressing. My son came out of the kitchen with the longest book of knife I've ever seen. I thought I didn't even know we had one like that. And he went to hit him. I go, no, 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 don't, you back off, don't do this, you know? No, by now they didn't call, somebody called the police. They come in, you know who they grab first? You. The black neighborhood. A white man in a black neighborhood. You. you know, he grabbed me. And the cracker got up to my, he pulled a knife on me, he pulled a knife. I said, man, don't lie. You know, don't, don't do this, don't tell him. 
You know, I carry a knife all the time, even now. I didn't pull it out. You know, I didn't need to. He's just big and thought his bigness could not be subdued. No. Um, anyway, they locked us up. My wife bought, <laughs> even my son, they locked all of us up. Even my son. No, not my wife. She wasn't there. She bailed us all out. Right? Got me a gangster lawyer. A white boy, gangster lawyer. He 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 was the lawyer for all the drug dealers in the neighborhood. I don't know how she met this man, but he had a black wife also. So he was like white boy down, no no, with the motorcycles and shit and hanging out. He actually took me to a strip club, all black, and everybody in there knew it. You know, I went like, yeah, okay. <laughs> no, I ain't down with the sitting on my lap stuff. You know, I just ain't doing like that. You know, you be, I don't know you, you come over and start doing this. I go like, I'm sorry, man. I don't, I don't do this one, you know. <laughs> I don't. You know, I, I don't. I don't even, you know, I mean, I'm like this. I, I don't even, I'm not even like they're walking down the street holding hands. I'm just doing it with me, right, Kiko. Right. But I, you know, I don't need to show my, you know, I don't be feeling all my woman in front of people. I don't like it. But I do with the kitchen because it's just different. But this has been my, my mind throughout all the way. Anyway, yeah, anyway, yeah, she bailed us out. We got out, went to court. Uh, black woman judge, Mr. Harvey, I am so proud of you. I'm sorry. I'm looking to see who she talking about. Right. What's she, she go, she go for swallow on the weekend with my, my baby mama. She knew my wife. This African girl moved, I'm telling you. She knew the judge. Not only did she know the lawyer, she knew the judge. The judge said, you go back to Africa and continue your work. I went like, yes ma'am, thank you. You know, I mean, so yeah, you know, we go for swallow on the weekend. <laughs> you know? It's like that, no, so. They, they gave me my, my, my thing and let me go. I have to tell you also how I got to Africa. And I came back from Africa the first time when I left. I had permission, that's what I was telling you, I had permission to leave from the parole board, Billy Holiday, that let me out. So, my wife had been to, to, to jail, been to Indonesia, came back, got pregnant just before I met her, and, and lost the child, and the guy left with sponges. So she had him in court all this time, I didn't know this when I met her. After we got married, she told me, I'm suing this guy, and I've included you in the suit as a grieving husband because I can't give you children. So we're gonna get this money. So she's continued with the suit. We got $50,000. In 1982, that's a hell of a lot of money for a brother just out of prison, you know, living in, you know, like that. I was making good money though because I was working in the prison, so. But, she said, what do you want to do with this money? Do we buy a house or what? I said, let's go right She said, hey, let's go. You know, that's how I came here. We went to Spain first. She had lived in Japan with a Japanese family. Big time, the guy had a radio station. Had been in the war, was a captain and all that shit. They met us in Madrid. Uh, we used to play chess together. 
I used to whip his ass all the time. She said to me, you have to let him win. So I went, okay, I let him win. He went, ah, uh, so I have beaten Lee. <laughs> like that. Anyway, so they paid for it. They rented the car for us. So I drove from, from Madrid to Bilbao, northern part of Spain, to see my wife's family, because that's where her family came from. She didn't speak Spanish. I spoke Spanish. She spoke Catalan. Huh? Speak Catalan? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Not Catalan. Um, Basque. 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 Yeah. Basque. Yeah. Basque. Yeah. Uh, beautiful. No, beautiful. Me, I'm two years out of prison. And all of a sudden, I, I got a passport and I could leave. It was like God shining the light on me. Yeah, I got it back up. Why I wanted to come to Africa. For all, the last seven years I was in prison, I had a National Geographic map. The one that they put out every year on Africa with the little faces on it. I know you've seen that. Wow. Yeah? I crossed that thing in my mind so many times. I believe in dialectic materialism. I believe that what we can, obviously, what we can do in our minds, we make reality. Yes. Like this table, this city. Yes. I believe it. I believe it. I believe that my crossing and, and, and wanting to be a good person got me my, my prayer that I would come to Africa and do it just like I did. I hitched back. I, I climbed mountains in Cameroon with mountain climbers. You know, I mean, I've been so blessed. You know, I stick fight with the Soma stick fighters in, in Ethiopia. You know, I, it's like, whoa. You know, there's guys standing on the side. You can't hurt Mr. Lee, but you can stick fight with them. They carry these long <laughs> sticks, you know. The winner, the winner, and when they do it, what they do, they bring these different villages together. All these guys are like, you they like this big, tall muscle. And they carry this pole with the phallics on the top. And they meet. And all throughout the year, they meet and they fight. And they wrap themselves up with all kinds of shit. You, you can break arms and crack them, but you can't kill. You're not allowed to kill. So you like, you're not allowed to kill your appointment. That's enough. If you kill your appointment, they banish you from the village. Still shit. Yeah, they put you out there. Broken legs, arms, all that. Yeah, I want to try. They say, okay, but you're not, we're not going to let you get hurt. So they, they, they caught me stick fighting with these guys. I used to walk around with the, uh, uh, you know, we didn't have no little tape recorder, the one you press the button. And I used to put it on, I had this black stuff on, right? And I used to put it on myself. So I would go around and everybody in this camp could play a thumb horn. It was the most amazing thing. I mean, they just passed it to somebody. They would do this. So I was recording it, but they didn't know I was recording it. So I came out one morning, out of my tent, and I put it on and I was walking through. And they were doing like this. I mean, these are people who are living in the bush. I mean, they're carrying guns. They're fighting for their cattle. They pan gold. This is today, like a thousand years ago, they lived like that. These, just look at the book. When you come in the house, you see them in the book. Just blew my mind, man. Blew my mind. 
Uh, anyway, I stick five with these guys, and they recorded it anyway. Uh, um, you want some more bread? I mean, we would go places where the women were not allowed to go. So in that book, Dessert? stories that you see come from me, you know, because I was allowed to go with right. You know, I was, and I'd taken a turtle with me. I was allowed to go. I come back, I relate. Okay, this is what they're doing, blah, 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 blah. So a lot of the things that she wrote in this book. Is, the pictures that I showed you on that, those yeah. two pages, yep, yep. one of them is an altar. Do you, are you, are you it's where the head priest sits okay. at. Yeah, and so we didn't have one, so I sat there. You know, that was almost a premonition. Oh man, no, I, I, yeah, and I'm saying, you know, all the things that I dreamt of doing, uh, crossing rivers, climbing, doing shit that I had never dreamed of doing, I did. Yeah, I mean, I wound up in Nairobi. I I did more fashion shows in Nairobi than anybody in the '80s. They had nothing. They had no union. They had no. I got my girlfriend together. I got her girlfriends together. I go and. I had live bands, stoop, warpers, fire eaters and shit. And I I go to the hotel and said, listen, this is what I got. You know, I started the first uh, lunch band at the hotel called the Norfolk. They had nothing. I said, man, let me let's jazz things up. So I had some friends, all musicians. I hooked them up, took them there, they started doing lunchtime jazz. Never done it before. Come on. Out of Harlem, come on. My experience was, I used to go to Ebony Fashion Shows. This is all I knew about. And I, I also, you didn't see my clippings. I used to organize fashion shows. I used to get in them also. You know, I did one with a, a six foot white girl. I had on a white suit, white everything. And we did a Fred Astaire number at the Hilton in, in, in Nairobi town. Freaked them out, they couldn't believe it. You know, they weren't having it. They had nothing. They had no fashion shows or anything. Yeah. No, I had a ball coming here. And I did a lot. I, I used to sponsor artists. For me, it was like, you guess, God has given me something I want to share. You know, so brothers I'd meet who were artists and didn't know about I'd go to the French Culture Center and sell them. I had a friend that worked at the newspaper. I'd go there and say, listen, you know, I want to do this. She said, I got you covered, you know. So she'd do a splash in the shelf. I used to do chicken dinners like, uh, uh, what do you call it, when you, when you go and do services that, that the, no, services like, uh, that other people do. Like they contract me oh, to do okay. chicken dinners. Oh, you know, so I would do chicken parties. He put in, he done it again. Chicken, he done his chicken parties someplace, Catering. you know. Catering, yeah. No, so I, I did that. I used to work for a Catholic organization called Ndungu, working with children who were having problems at school. They did me that. No, no. No, I found I found myself here. I, I had a drug program here. I tell you that. I think. We went down the drain because they stole all the money, you know. But I, I, I put back. I think I put back, particularly in Africa, more than I got. But I got everything from it. I mean, financially, something like that. It wasn't about I didn't get no money, you know. But I, I, I think I helped a lot of people. And I feel which like one, it's a blessing for me. Is that a present service? Yeah. yeah. But which one? Is it the front service or the other one? Huh? Give us another song. It's what? Okay. Before we continue, <laughs> give us another song. <laughs> okay. Sometimes I'm happy. 
this is for so this is a line. So we need to because I'm What else can I do? So 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 it's just us two. Whatever we do, we'll do. I don't know the word. I just mix nice it up. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, I, just, I just mix it up. Sometimes I'm happy. Sometimes I'm blue. My disposition depends on you. I never mind the rain from the sky. If I can find the sun in your eyes Sometimes I love you Sometimes I hate you But when I hate you It's cause I love you That's how I So what can I do? I'm happy when I'm with you.
It's cause I love you That's how I am So what can I do I'm happy when I'm CID put on me here in Kenya. You know, uh, my, it's like the CIA. You know, they put a guy on me. They thought I was a smuggler. I had like two or three girlfriends that worked at airlines. <laughs> so, so they I'm serious. At the same time? Yeah, yeah. My wife worked for the airline, my sister worked for the airline, and I, I had met, uh, I got married to a uh, Dutch girl, uh, uh, also in Zanzibar. Um, matter of fact, that's who I married in Zanzibar. Uh, anyway, they put this guy on me, right? So, oh, well, all anybody in the neighborhood knew. So, man, this guy's undercover police. Lee, what the fuck you doing? I said, man, I ain't doing nothing wrong. You know, I'm smoking my ganja, and the nigga's smoking with me. So how he can put me in jail? That sounds like you know? um, Chris Rock. Yeah. yeah. So, so they came one day, you know, and he, he was he was a very bad person. 
because he was extorting everybody. I mean, extortion. He'd go to the engine shop. He had his car full of bling bling and zip zip and shit. His car was pumping. He'd go to the shop, tell them to fix his shit, and he wouldn't pay them. He'd go to the restaurant, he'd eat their food. He wouldn't pay them. He was just bad news. So they put him on me, right? Because they thought I was. So he hanging out seriously, you know, we smoking this shit together, you know? And uh, one day he said, yeah, come on, take a ride. So he takes me to the prison where they then this is Moyes in, where they keep him political prison. Damn, didn't you come to me like this? We hanging out, you gonna bring me and put me in something else? So he pull out his thing and said, no baby, it ain't like that. Me and you down together, right? So he went in and came back out. So now he fesses up. It, it, you know, he's an undercover policeman. You know, like CIA shit. So we really got tight, cause you know I ain't trying to down there. Yeah, my dude, they on my side. You know? Exactly. <laughs> so, so we can say he became my son's godfather. He's the godfather of my son. But here's the shitty thing: he went to England. He sought asylum. There was a, a bishop killed here in Kenya some years ago. You know, they say accident. He said it wasn't an accident. He knew about it. So he went to, he thinking that this information would get him into London. He wanted to stay in Europe, you know? They found him with his throat cut. Yeah, they found him with his throat cut. But another joke. In England, they found him dead. Yeah. No, for going and telling on each other. Yeah, another joke. My wife's sister used to go with, uh, with the head of CID. We had dinner one night, like this. And he told me, oh yeah, I know all about you. We, we were like, excuse me? We never met. He said, man, I know all about you. This is our woman. I check everybody out. Said, yeah, okay. We cool. You know, no, no, no. Also, my blessings come from the people. I'm now allowed, I have a dependency pass because I'm married to a Kenyan. No man has ever before me gotten into dependence that women here have no power. None. You can marry as many men as you want. It don't mean shit. They have to leave. But if a man, a Kenyan man, marries a woman from outside, they can stay. So they don't allow, they have never allowed this. So a friend of mine went to a head of immigration told him, said, listen, I got this friend, he's 78, 79 years old. Uh, he's been working with children, he's been putting back in the community, we love him here, and he's been married for all these years, and every six months he has to leave. He said, send him to me, I want to meet him. Also, he smokes ganja. It's okay, send him. So, I went. I put on all my white, put on my turban. I went in, she went, so who are you? I go like, I'm leaving here. Hey, this one, sit down. She asked me a few questions. She said, give me your passport. Bam, stay here forever. Stay here forever. Yeah, that's how I get to stay here forever. Yeah. I went downstairs. <laughs> I bought all the roses I could carry. I went upstairs with a bunch of roses like this. And, uh, thank you. Yeah, see? She's Kate's friend. Mm. 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 Mm.
Kate is the lady who I was saying who has uh, travels throughout Africa and has a and artifact. And she's, how old is Kate? Um, she lies. She was an old woman when an old woman I met her 40 years ago. She was already an old lady. She swears she's, she swears she's 75. That's ain't no way in hell you're 75. You was old when I met you. And she's, a, she's beautiful. She's an Australian. Love black men. You know, that's a thing. But I was talking about the artifacts that she has. Oh, like she has a collection of beads, glass beads, art pieces. Uh, Did you go there while you were in La Mosa? Beyond belief. This chick has an Ethiopian silver cross that's made out of Mary Teresa silver dollars. It's her. She's got a collection of shit that will blow your mind, man. She's traveled all over Africa, India, Pakistan, Delhi, you know, uh, Istanbul. She's been a smuggler. You know, she's just a fucking monster. And she designed this place herself. It was a mosque. She's the only person given a mosque. And you turn it into a restaurant and a club. A mosque? The Aga Khan David Hill. She's not a joke, this old lady. Man. She's not a joke. No, sorry you didn't get to see her play. Like literally, so it's like... So... Satan, Satan. You know him. Of course I know him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he called me today and asked me to pass my... He found out you were here. He found out you and I played chess. This is such a small... I need a, I need a rematch. No, I don't need a rematch. <laughs> no, no. Once you've been whipped, you whip. That's all I, I know, it's, it's easy to say that when you don't play again. Yeah, right, 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 right. True. It's easy to say it when you win. I know I was going to beat you. You know, I learned... When I got busted in California, I was chained to the guys that... that uh, uh, kidnaps Sinatra's son mm-hmm. in LA. So I'm on the chain with these guys and I'm, I actually met Gladys Tower, mm-hmm. that attorney. Anyway, I'm in this little jailhouse in, in, in LA and I meet a real American, a Native American Indian, the hair down and braids and all of that. He taught me how to play chess. Yeah. I love chess. I just yeah. He taught me how to play chess. And when I beat him, he said, now you can play. Yeah. You know, so when I was inside, I used to play. We used to, used to bring in chess masters. We used to have tournaments. I got to be pretty good. Yeah, I really like chess right. a lot. No, I know you got it, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, wish, I wish I played more. Yeah, I know. I played a lot. Yeah, yeah. This is the first time I played in about six years. Yeah, I haven't played. I don't play. We had a friend who died. I think that was the last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He was like a. He did. That's all he did. Yeah. I used to. It say. was funny, and I did with him one night. I beat him like in record time. Yeah. And I was like, you never played him again. You play with the club. I was like, yeah, I'm not playing no more. I was like, yo, I don't really need to. Yeah, I need to prove. And he was like, yo, man. And he would walk around with his chest board. I got it. That's such a sweet song. That's what's happening now. I knew yeah, that. You know, but he, he literally, yeah. he was, but he was so, he's just such a beautiful person. Every time he'd be like, yo, George, my nickname. He's like, yo, man, you play it? And I was like, nah, there's no need. Like, yo, 
Yo, he's so mad. He play everybody in the office. Beat yeah. him. Beat him. Yeah, yeah. Can't even let him play. He wouldn't play me. Oh, you beat George? I had George and Oh, they were just in it. It was so funny, yo. Yeah. Track me down with the chessboard. <laughs> yeah, I knew yeah, that. Yeah. He beat him and don't let him get back. Yeah, yeah, he's back. so mad. You know? He's like, yo, that was a fool. <laughs> 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 and don't get him back. No, no, no. Maybe we play, we have some time. And we're going to stop by tomorrow and you come with us to the beach. I'll definitely play. Get my skills together. You want to play? Like I said, play. I had played it forever, you know, and after he caught me just right, you know, I had, you, right? I smoked the joint, yeah, I was feeling mellow, yeah. you know, I got yeah, in there, gotta, yeah, because he plays all the time, he's been teaching kids to play, you know, yeah, I'm glad I worked with little buddy. Yeah, my, I, I think one of the things I picked up and learned is appreciation uh, anybody that stands up for who they are, you know, like, so I feel why I can't applaud you, why I cannot say to you, man, what you've done and who you are is over the fucking top. I love it. I love who you all have become. I just do. You know, I, I, I know children here. I, I had a child working for me one time, put my fucking ice trays in the bottom of the refrigerator. I cried, man. I'm thinking this child don't know what a refrigerator is. You know, and she's living in my house and working and, you know, take, trying to take care of me. And she don't have a refrigerator in her house. Man, no. You know, it is, you know. And I've come through, and I've slept in my car. I lost my car, I lost my mom's apartment, my apartment, I lost everything. Uh, more than once, I've been to, to pick myself up and say, no, I'm stronger than this, I'm not gonna let this thing keep whipping me. I tell you, I have an addictive personality, so it was a hell of a fight for me to change my life. You know, it so really was not a joke, huh? So you're a testament that you can't change as a 30. They say oh, I, 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 no, I, I, I say it all the time. We're in charge of our, our, our you know, the astrology controls this. And I think if we reach a certain part of, certain point of understanding in our life that we really become in control of who we are and what happens to us. You know, I, I had a, a, a professor tell me about uh, life change. He said, you know, look at your life like a movie, you know, and only you be the director. And instead of that story where you, you know, you grew up in the ghetto and you're going to die in the ghetto, you get shot at the end of the end of the movie, you die, you know. He says, change the script, man. You know, just, you know, change the script. Stop. Don't be that person. Change your shit up and become somebody else. You know, I'm, I'm, I have a different name. Depends on where I am. When I'm in Florida, they call me Greybeard. All of anybody that knows me in Florida say, "Oh, that's Greybeard." You know? Yeah, Greybeard. Yeah. Greybeard. Yeah. This this Nene here. You know? Uh, and when I 
Adventures uh, when I was in the South, I was Walt Lee. My first name is Walter, so I Walt Lee. Yeah, Walt Lee, not Walter Lee, Walt Lee. You know, that's who, that's who I am. Uh, so uh, you can, uh, I can be whoever the hell I want to be. I remember going into the prison one day and uh, and doing a workshop with guys. The dude sitting back looking at me, saying like, "Damn, nigga, what's up with you? Looking like a cowboy." I had on cowboy boots. I had on my jeans. I had on the uh, the Indian type hat, the round with the with the thing jigging it. And I said to him, "You know, when I was a kid, I always wanted to be a cowboy. You know, I'm an adult now, so for today, I can be a cowboy if I want to. Yeah. You know, so today I'm a cowboy." You know, I'm gonna bring you the same message, but the message is I can be who I want to be. I ain't got to be who you say I am. And especially if what you say I am is something negative because I'm black. No, fuck that. No, I ain't got to be who you say I am. I'm gonna show you. I change it. No, no, no. No, no, no. And as far as the, this kind of white thing here, I, I found two of them I, I had in front of all their white friends. I, 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 I have big money and everything. I, if, you, if you ever say uh, this kid was working for me, a little church girl, he offered her 10,000 shillings to sleep with him, or I want to do you that. I caught him in front of all of his Italian friends, his whole mob, people like this. I told him, if you ever in your life say anything else to this child again, I will personally whip your ass. You think you can buy black women when you come to Africa because you have money? What the fuck do you think you are? I've had to do that. I had just recently, there's a sister, filmmaker, killing her. She's going with this guy. This cracker had so much money. It was a nice, like a beach bum. And I said to him, God don't like ugly. You had everything, now you're just what you're supposed to be. Nobody. Hmm? <coughs> His woman. Oh, why you don't, why you don't talk to this one anymore? I said, I said because, I, you know, please don't press me for this. No, me, I need to know. I said, okay. He's a fucking racist and a bigot. And he thinks he's better than people because of their, of their color. He said, no. Can I call him? I said, get him down here. So he called. He sat down and said in front of me, he said, what, what's this all about? I said, your woman want to know why I don't like you. He said, oh, Lee, you and I get along all the way. We're best friends. I said, no, Cracker, I tolerate you in front of your friends. I tolerate you. I don't really like you because you're a racist and a bigot. And I got pissed off because I saw you with my sister. And I'm wondering why a woman so smart would be hanging out with trash like you in front of his face, outside. I told him in front of his face. Why I got to bite my tongue for? What you gonna do to me? Nothing. No, but if you shitty and you like that, for me, you got the right nigga, boy. You walked up on the right nigga when you come to me with that. I don't like it, I don't play it. Every cracker, every white person who's been a, any kind of associated with me, when I go to their house, you know where I go? Servants' quarters. I want to see how you treat the people. Because I know how you're going to treat me. You ain't got no choice. You're going to respect me. If you want any respect, you're going to respect me. Whether you like me or not, I don't care. You know? So I swear before God, I go, I ask this self, how these people treat you? How y'all doing, man? Y'all okay? You know? And sometimes I get, and I go, really? They like that? Okay. What's the matter, Lee? I don't think I need to be here. 
you know, no, because I don't, you ain't got nothing I want. You know, you ain't got a damn thing I want. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care if you're a personal friend of Jesus. I ain't down with it. You know, I ain't down with it. No, I'm sorry. No, they'll tell you around here. I don't bite my tongue. Ain't no white man gonna talk down to me. I'm 82 years old. I will whip his ass. I have already decided in my life, ain't no white boy ever gonna beat me. You gonna kill me, but you're not gonna whip me. No, hell no. No, I'm prejudiced, girl. Definitely. And plenty of white women. Don't care if I'm worth the shit. No, I don't play it. I don't like it. I don't like it. No, all these brothers around here, I treat them like my son. All of them. Trash man all the way in all the way in the town. Wherever you go, you ask them. I respect them. I respect them. I want them to be respected. I want them to hold their heads up. Stop carrying bags for these people. Let them carry their own fucking bags. Sorry. No, no, no. It's like that. It's like that. It's like that. I came here and I'm, you know, I was so happy when I got off the boat in Morocco. I kissed the ground. I got on my knees. I kissed the ground. I thank, yeah, I thank God for letting me come from Spain to Morocco. I went to Ted, Fez, Figib, Casablanca. Yeah, I went on through there with my wife. I had to put on the jalaba and the kufi to keep them from seeing me with a tour. All of a sudden, I was my wife's tour guide. That's what I paid, yeah. Put a, the local paper under my arm, put a fez on my head, put on my name, walked around like that, no talking. Go away, go away. You know, Quinda, I, you know, I picked up just enough words to get rid of my father, you know? Excuse me, yeah. No, man. No, and you know, I was, I was glad I'm thinking, oh, hey, finally I'm in a place where we come from. This is ours. You know, and you motherfuckers have invaded it. You come over here with trickery, you tricked us, you lied to us, you killed us, you did all kinds of shit to take our land, our gold, our silver, and our women. Fuck you. No, and I still saw remnants of that, that colonial shit. It's still here. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, and I, I see it. And they know me. They, oh, no, don't fuck with me. <laughs> no, 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 no. They respect me. They, they ain't got no choice. Got no choice. And I, I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I don't, that's just who I am. You know, like, fuck you. know, yeah. I ain't got nothing to apologize for. Fuck you, you know. You know, you, you, you mad cause as much as you put your foot on my neck, I still can put a smile on my face and dance. You can't understand it. I'm bigger than you, motherfucker. That's why I can do it. I'm bigger than you. That was part one of Brother Lee and Lamu. We hope you enjoyed it. And please tune in next week for part two of Mr. Lee and Lamu. Peace.